Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another edition of the Skating Penguin Network Mailbag. I have returned, the one and only, I am Garrett Bahanna, alongside my two co-hosts who have filled in for me during my absence, Snail and Robbie Noggle. Uh, they have both agreed to let me out of the basement for recording of this mailbag, and for which I am grateful because after we are done recording this in about a half an hour or so, they will banish me back to the basement until our next uh, podcast episode. So, you know, you, you take the good with the bad, and in this case, I am banished to the basement once again. But uh, until then, we have some questions that you sent to us, all of our loyal listeners who sent us questions on Twitter. We are here to answer some of those questions. This is part one of this week's mailbag, and part two of the mailbag will be coming at you later this week to finish up all of the questions that were sent to us at the Skating Penguin Network Twitter account. Question number one goes to Robbie, as it always does. And we're getting our food question out of the way. Very timely food question, because as Robbie knows, American Thanksgiving was just the other day. And, uh, well, Brian wants to know, Robbie, we'll kick it off with you. What's everyone's favorite Thanksgiving food? First off, welcome back, Brian. Uh, Brian took a week off last week. He was MIA, and uh, we were uh, conspirator theorizing conspiracy theorizing where brian may have been uh snell thought he was actually in switzerland at one point but i do not believe that he uh it was in switzerland after some further investigation but uh i'll start on this question i'm sure all three of us will chime in favorite thanksgiving food i am going with um i'm going with the stuffing uh mashed potatoes i could say but i can have mashed potatoes basically any time of year Stuffing is more of a Thanksgiving traditional food. So I'm going with a good stuffing, whether it is in the bird or out of the bird, however you make it, um, stovetop or made with uh, breadcrumbs or uh, bread cubes or however you make it, I will eat it. Um, I love I love stuffing. It is uh, on the Thanksgiving table, dish one, uh, dish number one for me. Garrett, you want to go? Sure, yeah, I'll go. Uh, there are two two dishes that I love equally. 
uh, I'll piggyback off of Robbie and say it's not just stovetop stuffing for me. My sister makes. Uh, my sister is like the the next generation chef in our family. First, it was my grandmother, and my grandmother still makes pies and food from time to time. But my sister has taken that mantle, and she is a amazing cook. Uh, she makes sausage stuffing. I don't know if sausage mm. stuffing is. Uh, something that you've had, Robbie. I don't know if Snail would have had it, uh, seeing as he's the resident vegan. But yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I think it's just breakfast, t- tiny little breakfast sausage cut up and put into the like, regular stuffing. And that's basically what it is. So sausage stuffing for me. But, you know, I've noticed this recently on social media this week during Thanksgiving weekend. For some reason, green bean casserole gets a lot of social media hate. I love, mm-hmm. I absolutely love green bean casserole. I I love, I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. So between the sausage stuffing, Robbie said stuffing was dish number one. It was, I was piling on two things, the sausage stuffing and the green bean casserole. And those were the two things that I went to town on for Thanksgiving. That, uh, that like breakfast sausage stuffing sounds like it's just really setting you up for leftovers first thing in the morning the next day. Yeah, absolutely. There weren't a lot of leftovers, uh, but from what there was, there was leftover green bean casserole and leftover sausage stuffing. Those were the two things that were among the leftovers, but I made sure I was at my sister's over the weekend and I took some back home to where I live. Uh, Absolutely. Nice. Nice. Um, Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Robbie on this question because for me, it's stuffing. I just, ever, ever since I was a kid, it's like, like there's maybe one third sometimes depending on circumstances we're talking like two thirds of my plate is just pure stuffing and uh it's i I was kind of thinking i'm trying not to be too galaxy brain about this but is stuffing only good with gravy on it or by itself is it is it uh is it still like a choice kind of uh, over first overall pick on the plate so to say either or I'm you not, are. I don't, I don't need, I don't need, I mean, gravy makes everything better. Like yes, it, it does. It, it, but it's I, an, yeah. It's an enhancement, but for me, it's not necessary. Like I, I can eat stuffing without the gravy. Absolutely. Like I could dummy stuffing, but like it really needs gravy. I think to like make it just like, you know, make myself really miserable later. I had leftovers for like two days after, and I have had the worst acid reflux that night going to bed just from all the sodium. But Anyways, dude, Robbie and I were, like, talking at length on the last one about gravy. Gravy is, like, I don't know. I think it's – gravy might, in a way, for me, be actually more important than stuffing because you can't really – can you eat gravy on your own, on its own, or is that just, like, a barn animal thing to do? That's that do- kind of a barn animal thing to do, <laughs> but, I mean. But I, I see the point you're making because odds are you're putting gravy over your turkey, your stuffing, your mashed potatoes. Uh, maybe other dishes that I'm not thinking of with gravy. So I can see why you would say that. The versatility is definitely there with the gravy and how many dishes you could use it with. But gravy by itself, uh, that's a that's a that's a barn animal behavior. Barn animal behavior. You could look at it as just like kind of like a thick soup if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, it's stuffing. But what is Thanksgiving without it being just a, a soup of uh, like a, a soup of sorts with gravy on it? But um i'll get i'll get off of it and we can move on but yeah stuffing for me all righty so that gives us question number two now uh again from brian here i know you did a little redraft last pod but is snail sure he wants 
uh, Jacob Truba. Uh, the slash to Frederick uh, was so dirty. Uh, kind of ironic that this is uh, one of the questions, but I'll pass over to Snail for this one. <laughs> so, yeah, that first... Uh, I'll say this, that that first uh, camera angle of the Truba slash to Trent Frederick looked like he was trying to decapitate him and looked super, super dirty. Um, but there has been a second angle that has resurfaced. And I think if uh, if Brian and, and you guys too, if you take a look at that second angle, it's, it's just like there's almost two different stories being told by two different camera angles, which is odd. And it, the second one, it, it looks like an accident. It doesn't look like it gets him as bad as it does in the first one. But anyways, yeah. But Truba, this incident doesn't need to, like, prove whether Truba's, like, a dirty player or not. In my in my mind, it's been a long time since the Pens have had a player that you really need, like, like a dirty player. Or a, I'll say this, a player that plays on the edge. Um, and I, any day of the week... I would take a player that you need to tell to chill out and calm down at times than someone you need to kick in the ass to get going. And Truba seems like that kind of player. Uh, and with all details aside, where he's a right shot D, you have Carlson, you've got Latang, and then you, Truba's not a third pairing guy. All of that beside the point, I mean, I would take Truba on my team any day. It's pretty plain and simple. He's a good player, plays on the edge. That's my kind of player. All right, moving on to question three here from Brian. And Brian asks, Zadorov to the Pens. So I'm curious, are the Calgary Flames in, like, fire sale mode? Like, it to me... More so than not, yeah. I think they're trying to clean house. Zadorov, I mean, would, would you say that one of their needs is, the, for the Penguins, another big left-handed defenseman? Okay, so like, let's say this trade, let, let's say this trade happens theoretically, which I don't think it will. I don't think the Penguins need Zadorov, and Zadorov, I don't think needs the Penguins. But with a cap hit of what is it, three point seven five million, I think he's only signed through the end of this season. You have to. I mean, the Penguins are so far up against the salary cap that they're finagling the cap at every turn sending guys up and down on paper transactions already. And look, that's the price you pay for bringing in so many high-paid high, high paid guys, Carlson, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, etc. So you have to move money out to, to bring money back in. Who, who are you going to bring out, or who are you going to move out? That cap is eerily similar to a, a, a certain fourth-line 39-year-old. So, okay, like, let's say I, I agree. Let's say Jeff Carter is that that piece that's moved out. Does the, doesn't Jeff Carter have a, a no movement? What do you have to wave as no movement? Yeah, yeah, it gets sticky. Like it's it's opening up a can of worms that I don't think needs to be open because what's where's Zadorov gonna like Graves and Pedersen are gonna be on pairing one and pairing two respectively or flip flop whatever you want to do. So Zadorov can Zadorov play the right side? Maybe if he has versatility on the right side. Okay, snail shaking his head no. So if he's primarily a left-handed shot defenseman, going to play on the third pairing, I think that's too rich for my blood having a cap hit of 3.75 on your bottom pair when you have P.O. Joseph, uh, John Ludwig, uh, who's that? Ryan Shea. You have all these guys who you're mixing and matching, trying to find the right chemistry with. Joseph, I think Joseph's on injured reserve right now. So I, I don't think it's a trade that needs to happen, but I know people are are – 
they're starting to get into that mode. And Robbie, before Snail came on last season, you and I were already starting to see this last season around this time, where even when Hextall was still here, people were itching to make moves because the Penguins were stagnant. They'd get a couple of wins here and there. I, can't, I still can't believe they blew that Buffalo game. Then they rebound and get the Toronto win. They're still 10-10-0. They're maybe above average, uh, an above average team right now. They That five-game win streak is, I don't want to say it's completely in the rearview mirror, but it sort of hid a lot of the warts that were sort of becoming problems for the Penguins. The power play is still the team's biggest issue, in my opinion. I don't think a trade is going to fix what ails the Penguins in the power play department. Uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know how you fix the power play. I think we have a question about that either in this episode or next episode about the power play. Um, but going back to Zadorov to put a bow on it, I don't think this trade is necessary. He's a big guy, 6'6", 250. So it's a massive body as a defenseman. But don't you already have that in Ryan Graves? Uh, so it doesn't work for me. I don't know whose money you would take out to bring in Zadorov. So for me, I don't see how it works. But I know people people love their, their trade hypotheticals at this point in the season. I mean, I'd take Zadorov, but like the one thing that really doesn't work out is the contract issue. I think he has like only one more year, or he's a uh, a UFA after this year. I can't remember. He's if you're moving, if you if you take if you trade Ryan Graves or Pedersen, or like, do you really want to get rid of that Shea kid who they just like just signed and found? Like he seems to be like a nice find. Do you really want to like? Yeah, he has a low cap hit right now, respectively, for kind of the role he provides. But, like, do you really want to give up the security of kind of these younger defensemen on the left side that are all good defensemen? Like, they're all, you know, Pedersen and Graves, you can swap one in, you know, uh, in first pair, second pair. And that Shea, he could punch above his weight class right now with the way he's been playing. And then get a guy like him, and then he's got his contracts up, and guess what? You got to pay him more than that, that nice cap that he's got. So... You got to think about that kind of stuff, too. I, I get where Brian's coming from, where it's like, dude, the Penguins, things feel stagnant. Things aren't working like we thought. It's like, let's shake things up. Let's get a trade going. But that's chell brain, as I like to call it. But to your point, as we wrap up this question, uh, people are sort of itching for that trade to be made. I don't know what Kyle Dubas's thought process is right now. But while in most scenarios, I would agree with you, Snail, that it's like getting, getting chell brain and like, making a video game trade for the sake of making a video game trade, given where the Penguins are right now at 10, 10 and 0, I thought that they would maybe have a better record than that. And it seems like every game it's one step forward, two steps back and the process repeats itself. So, you know, if, if, if this, I don't want to call it a slide, but if, if this kind of play continues to happen and the power play doesn't really improve by Christmas, you're, you, you could be looking at an issue. I, I thought maybe Dubas would have tried to make a shakeup by now, but at the same time, his hands are kind of tied because it's not like the Penguins have a ton of great assets to trade away anyway, and you have to have, it takes two to tango for any kind of trade that you want to make here, so Dubas, his hands may be tied right now in terms of wanting to make that trade to shake up the room, uh, I but I have to say, I think that's going to be coming sooner rather than later if this slide sort of continues. And Zadorov won't help the power play. He's a stay-at-home no. guy. With he's not the fastest dude. He's he's not gonna cure what ails the pens. So with that, we'll go to question number four from Brian. And talking about that power play, going back to Robbie here. If Todd Reardon 
were to get the boot, who would or could replace Reardon in terms of power play responsibilities? This power play, like Brian says, and we all say, has to get on track sooner rather than later. There's far too much talent there for the man advantage to be struggling this badly. Yeah, I I can't – again, I'm not in deep enough to know, like, uh, names of potential assistant coaches that are on the market or whatever that could be brought in to uh, assist the power play. Um, I don't know if they would stay in-house or if they would look for someone um, outside the system. I really don't know uh, what they would do in that situation, but I think it, it, it's become time. Again, maybe they're waiting till Christmas or the New Year, but at that point it might even be too late. I mean, we're not even at the end of November at this point. We still have two games in November. Uh, December is another busy month. You have a long uh, – Southern road trip, uh, you're in Philly, you're, you have Philly at home, you have a bunch of division games. I don't know if you can really wait around at this point and make a change, even if it is um, a coach we've never heard of or just someone uh, even now, like a Matt Cullen or someone that comes in that kind of adjusts the power play a little bit. Um, I mean, Cullen has some bench experience. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what the what the answer is. Um, as in a who, I just know that it's something needs to change. If it doesn't change here soon, it, this is just going to continue because it's not just the players at this point. The entire system, the entire style of the power play is kind of just old and out of date, and they just need to do something to change it sooner rather than later. Question number – on, I got to get here. Question number – Five from uh, we're switching up to Kim Larson here. What position would you strengthen, and who would you like to bring in uh, if you could pick one up? I'm assuming that is a position uh, on the ice on the roster. So let's snail handle this one. That's tough because it's like what sucks right now about the Penguins game is the power play. But I mean, you have Sid Gino Carlson on one power play unit, like. Do you really need some sort of like embarrassment of riches on the power play that can't get it done as is with these star players? Um, depth, I I don't have a ton to pick apart about the depth right now. Carl, Car- Robbie and I were talking about Carl on the last one, and the dude is just tired and old, man. Like he, I, anybody would be an upgrade over him, but they have that in house already. Like Hinnestroza is a slippery nice player for the penguins that they picked up this offseason um that dubas picked up and it's like i i I don't know the defense is solid you have two probably hall of famers or like maybe hall of famers on your defense i harp on jari all the time i wish they went out and got that gibson in anaheim who's a good goalie on a bad team and i think with a but then the penguins sometimes don't really help out their goalies so it's tough. I think they have a pretty decent team, and I'm, I don't know. I'm not looking at Patrick Kane. Um, I think that it'd be uh, with Raquel out for longer term and Brian Rust kind of hurt, nicked up, whatever's going on with him. I'd be picking up the phone, seeing what Phil Kessel's up to, see if he has any interest in, in uh, maybe if you know, maybe not play every night. I think he understands at this point in his career, and that he's gone this long without signing a contract. It's like. He knows he's not his his Ironman streak is is essentially over. So, 
he might be good for the room. He's familiar. They've won with him. He knows Sully's system. He can play with Gino. He can play third line. You know, he's been on the fourth line at times on these other teams he's played for. He's got an offensive touch. I don't know. That's a, that's even just kind of a stretch. What really needs to happen is I think they need to get someone on behind the bench. Um, Robbie, you said Matt Cullen on the bench. I was curious. What made you say that? What made you bring up Matt Cullen? I just know he's been around with the, the team before, and he's in the system already. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I've always thought, what about, like, Trevor Daly or something? Trevor Daly was good on that Penguins power play. He was an amazing pickup for them. I, I love the Dales pickup. I've always wondered if maybe he'd step down from up top where he's been at, kind of a uh, a right-hand man to the to Dubis or whatever right now. But Or is he in d- development? I swear, he's up there. I think he's up top. I think he's but... in development. Either way, I'd like to see if Dale, because he was, yeah, he was running that power play for a while and he was great. Uh, I don't know. I guess, yeah, maybe you maybe see what old Phil's up to. And if not that, then it's really got to be, I, I, I have here under my name, Bruce, there it is. I was wondering what about Bruce Boudreaux as a power play coach? He's no, no longer hired by the, he's, he's not coaching in the NHL right now. I think he's helping his son out up in the minors up up north in Toronto somewhere. And dude, that guy knows how to run a power play. He's a he's an offensive-minded coach. If you remember when he was coaching in DC, he really turned that Washington uh, Capitals team around when they were struggling. They won the division the year he stepped in. Their power play was cooking. Of course they had Ovi, the power play specialist of our generation, but I mean I was wondering, maybe you give him a call and see if what he thinks. Maybe he could slide in for the rest of the season and, and install some confidence in the boys. But I, I don't got much for this question. I'm sorry. But uh, if either of you don't have anything to chime in on this, oh, we can move on. I The only thing I will say is, I don't know, Snail, I don't know if you retweeted something on Twitter or if I just saw it come through my timeline recently, like over the weekend. Speaking of uh, Bruce Boudreaux, I don't know. I don't know if Bruce would be willing to come in into a position that's not head coach related. Maybe he would. I don't know. But if you want to get really like tinfoil hat galaxy brain mode, bring Boudreaux into the bench. Fire Reardon. Bring Boudreaux in. I think Mike Sullivan has immunity with FSG and Kyle Dubas, so I don't think he would go anywhere, and I don't think it would get to that point. But if if a collapse happened – and Sullivan gets the oust and, you know, Boudreaux is already on the staff. I, I would love I would love Boudreaux a, as a head coach. I, I think, like okay. Stan mentioned, he plays a really high-quality offensive system. He's not really a defensive-minded coach. Snail already brought up some of the success he had in Washington. I don't know if he would be willing to, again, take, take a position like that as sort of like an assistant coach slash power play coach. Uh, I don't know if he's open to that, but I would absolutely welcome Bruce Boudreaux on this staff with open arms. You want to talk tinfoil hat? I think I've talked to this with Garrett before on here. Maybe it was in—I can't remember where it was. But you bring, you fire Reardon, you bring, bring uh, Brucey in behind the bench, running the power play, and then if Sullivan, if things keep sliding, Sullivan actually resigns from his coaching position. Dubis makes him general manager and then Boudreaux slides over to head coach. That's my tinfoil hat theory is there. Dubis didn't name a GM cause he's waiting for Sullivan who he trusts completely. He was helped to, he was called in to help pick the GM. 
He's already primed and ready for that position. I don't know. It's a tinfoil hat theory, but we'll see. First, they got they got to fix the power play, and I think Bruce is your boy. Um, all right, let's see here. I think we're at question number six, and this goes to Garrett from Kim Larson again, and he asks, which of the characters in the Hangover movie series are you most like, or are, are most like you? Sorry. It's been a hot minute since I've seen. The first Hangover was really good. Then the second and third one were like obviously noticeably worse. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen the original Hangover movie. And I, so I'm looking at the cast here. Bradley Cooper was the leading man basically in that movie as Phil. I don't think I would be Bradley Cooper's character. Ed Helms as Stu. I, for me, it's between Ed Helms as Stu and Zach Galifianakis as Alan. And I, I'm I'm going back and forth between the two. If 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 one of you want to chime in and put a label on me, if if you think which one of the Hangover characters I would be, that's that's. For, for you guys to, you're more than welcome to to give me a label there. But I think it's probably between one of those two characters, uh, between Ed Helms' character and Zach Galifianakis' character. You're Mr. Chow. <laughs> I knew you were probably going <laughs> to say that. Just pop out of a trunk butt naked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I, I'd say I'm like Alan, I think, a little bit, probably because I just kind of look like him right now. Um, uh, Robbie would be Mike Tyson. No, no, absolutely not. Um, you kind of do look like Alan, though. I mean, yeah, you'd fit a good, uh, a good Alan role. Um, wait a second, I'm looking at these characters right now. What? Who is Butt Budnick? I don't. I, again, I haven't watched the original movie in so long. I really don't can't remember each and every character. Um. I'd probably just be the groom, like the one I can't remember his name on the top of my head, but the one that wants nothing to do with it and can't believe that it all got messed up uh, because we got so uh, annihilated in the process. Doug, Doug, he's the one that goes Doug. missing. They have to go yeah, find he's him. the one that goes missing on the roof. Yes. All right. So I'm Mr. Chow. Uh, Snail is um, Alan. And Robbie is Doug. That answers Kim's question. All righty. Uh, let's see here. Question number seven. We go back to Brian here as we give this question to Robbie. Snail recently criticized the team as having no heart. Robbie, what do you think needs to happen in order for the team to get that heart? I think they need to search some consistency first off to kind of get the vibes back in the positive direction because it feels like again a game against like buffalo it just seems like it just everything does every desire left left them in uh the third period but against toronto it felt like they were bound and determined to shake that off and get back in the win column and they did against a a team that a better toronto team than what they played against buffalo uh the night before uh during that five game win streak it really seemed like um, they were pushing hard. They were playing well in, night in and night out, um, playing 60-minute games. Um, I think they just need to show more. They just need to get that consistency. They need to get those vibes back in a positive direction because um, I, I don't think one player um, 
can be your heart and soul, but a guy like Crosby um, playing like the way he is, the passion he has, a guy like Rust uh, back in the lineup, a guy that they've been basically has been told his entire career that he's too small and keeps proving him wrong and stuff like that. Noah Char, you saw how fired up he was on Saturday night when he scored uh, his goal. So you just need like those heart and soul guys to kind of, uh, change the vibes on the team. You don't need, again, you're not going to get a big move or anything out of it. Maybe if Jeff Carter would come in and show some heart, even when he's out there, he just looks like he's just going through the motions. Uh, again, we talk about how much he's dropped off, but it just seems like he's going through the motions when he is uh, in the lineup. But guys like Hinnestrosa, Zahorna, those guys just need to keep playing um, and get those vibes back in the positive direction, I think, is really where that heart kind of comes from. And uh, the results will follow after that. Question number eight, again, from Brian. We're going to Snell with this one. Uh, do you uh, do you all have a college hockey team you cheer for, and who do you see winning the national championship? Uh, no, I don't. I don't watch college hockey. I kind of want to. I've, like, wanted to over the years. But as someone who didn't go to college or university or anything, it's like – I live in Washington. We have the lamest hockey scene ever college-wise out here. It's just, it's like, who do I, who do I pick? Do I just pick a complete wagon and, and ride them? Or like, you, I don't know. And, and like college, it's like, it's just really foreign to me out here, but I'd like to. Winning the national championship, I don't know. Who's loaded this year? Is Michigan still loaded? Is, uh, or yeah, uh, it, it, BU or something? Michigan's loaded. Wisconsin is playing out of their mind right now. Uh, Wisconsin's going to be there. The BU's, the Boston schools will be there. Denver's good. But uh, Michigan, I mean, they did lose uh, Adam Fantilli uh, to the NHL this year. He was a big part of what they did last year, uh, obviously. But uh, right now, Wisconsin's kind of – I think they're number one right now. They're just kind of blowing the doors off everyone they play. Okay. Well, yeah. What about you, Garrett? You you in on college hockey? I, I know um... – my dad graduated from Penn State. I know Robbie's a diehard Penn Stater. Um, so I like by default, I'll glance at like the the, the, the men's ice hockey program. I know uh, Penn State over the last decade has really like tried to get their foot in the door and become competitive in the uh, men's hockey scene with uh, I think they got a, it's a, like a relatively new um, ice hockey rink. I think the Pagulas. Didn't the Pagulas put money into it, Robbie? Yep, yep. They donated the money for it. Yeah. So, um, like by default, I follow. I put air quotes around follow Penn State and most of their athletics, uh, just because of my my like I said, my dad went to Penn State. So I know like the Big Ten has developed a, a reputation as being a really good uh, conference for hockey, ice hockey. Obviously, you know the Big Ten for college football, but Hockey is definitely uh, one of the more notable sports for Penn State and the Big Ten as a whole. So I'll say uh, Penn State. I don't know what Penn State's even up to so far this year. Uh, I was trying to pull up some of the standings while Robbie and Snail were, were giving their answers. But uh, as far as college hockey, I'll, I'll say Penn State. We are. And uh, leave it at that. So for winning the national championship, I'm not the guy to ask. Robbie, who do you see kind of coming out on top this year? Would you say Wisconsin continues their dominance? Wisconsin looks like just they're going to be an absolute nightmare to play against this year. I wouldn't count out Michigan just because uh, they are still loaded with NHL talent that's been drafted. They just 
losing Fantilli was just such a, a massive part of uh, what they did last year, but they're still an absolute um, uh, terror to go up against. Um, you never count out the Northeastern schools just because uh, when it comes time uh, in February and March, they're going to be there. They always find a way to at least sneak one of them guy, one of those teams uh, in the frozen four. So um, Wisconsin, if I was putting money down, Wisconsin's probably the favorite right now, but um, it's way too early to be uh, putting too much um, emphasis on who's going to win it all. Because again, when it gets down to the tournament, it's just, it's one, one and done. So a weird puck bounce here, a weird puck bounce there. And all of a sudden you got top seeds going down um, in a flash. So um I think what Wisconsin, Michigan are probably two of your big favorites, along with um, a team like uh, a Boston or a B or BU or a BC out of there as well. But um, there's just so much talent uh, throughout the the college ranks now that anybody can really show up and uh, make a run uh, come tournament time. All right, sounds good. There you go, Brian. Uh, next question here, number nine, also coming from our pal Brian. He asks, what changes to overtime do you want to see? And Brian says he'd eliminate the shootout and do a 10-minute three-on-three. When I was younger, I really enjoyed the, the the shootout aspect of overtime. As I've gotten older, I've kind of been like, this is how we decide games. This is how we, you know, this is how we give points out to, to those who, you know. So... I wouldn't make a lot of changes to the overtime other than what Brian suggests. I think three-on-three overtime hockey is some of the most frantic, entertaining parts of the game. Ten minutes may be a bit too long for me, but is five minutes too short? I I, I don't know. I I think with so much ice available three-on-three, I think – Maybe if you boost it up to seven minutes and, and, you know, find a medium ground there, keep it at that, eliminate the shootout, um, seven and a half, maybe eight minutes if that. I don't think I don't think you need a 10-minute three-on-three, but I would keep three-on-three, absolutely. I, I absolutely love three-on-three. Um, get rid of the shootout. That's, that's basically all I would really do to change overtime if I had to. Would you ever consider – having ties again where each team just gets one point if they don't settle it in a five on five three on three no shootout me personally i think ties get a little bit like if i'm looking at the standings and looking at like tie break like literal tiebreakers and things like that i think ties get a little bit too murky and muddy for me that you muddy the waters a little bit so i'm against ties uh really if, if it was up to me i would have a win and a loss, and that's it. And that's how points are determined. Win, loss, and that go from there. Um, eliminate ties, eliminate the extra point in shootout losses or overtime losses. Have a winner, have a loser, and that'd be that. Question number 10. Uh, as we go back to Robbie here, the penultimate question in this week's mailbag Brian asks, after Sweden, where do you want to see the NHL Global Series next? Uh, I'd love to see a uh, London uh, Global Series. I think playing, if they could, if they can make it work, playing at like a Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or outdoors at Wembley, I think would be uh, super cool uh, to do. Um, again, or the O2 Arena. I mean, you have all those great 
great arenas uh, in the London area. Um, well, I mean, we, they've done so much of like Germany and the Czech, Stockholm, Oslo, Finland. Russia's not in the equation right now. Um, just going through some, it's just some country off the top of my head here. Maybe like a Poland. I think it would be cool. Uh, France, obviously, there's opportunities there in France that they could that they could do. Um, the Olympics are going to Italy in 2026, so um, maybe to get some hype going to get for those uh, NHLers to be playing there in 2026 uh, would be uh, maybe a, a global series uh, there somewhere. Unfortunately, there's not many uh, NHL players that are Italian that. Uh, you could really sell that on, but um, I think we're eventually we're going to see a regular season game in Australia. We saw preseason games this year. I think we'll see regular season games uh, here at some point. Um, this isn't global, but I'd love to see a outdoor type game played in Alaska. I think that would be again, obviously not global, but heck, that'd be a farther trip for some teams than going. Uh, over to Europe or wherever to play. Um, I think you could do something in Japan uh, would be cool. Uh, they've hosted Winter Olympics before, but I really think that something like a, a a game in Alaska, and if you could pull it off, why not do like uh, in the dead of winter, do a, a game in Hawaii, send two cold weather teams um, out to uh, Hawaii, send Minnesota and let's say Boston out to Hawaii to play a home and home uh, out there. I think that would be super cool. I think people would love that um, out in Hawaii. Yeah. It'd be or an outdoor. Yeah. The outdoor, they've done the outdoor game at Lake Tahoe, which was really cool. Do an outdoor game in Alaska. I think that would be uh, fantastic. I mean, what, when you think of winter, Alaska immediately pops to your mind. So I think you could definitely pull that off. That would be super cool. And if we're getting really wild, Let's go to Antarctica and play a hockey game. I mean, again, the, the logistics for that would be just astronomical. The price would be astronomical. There's no indoor arena you could do down there, and it gets just bitter cold. It would be almost impossible to do. But let's if we're getting wild, let's get wild, and let's play a game uh, in Antarctica. That would be, again, maybe just do like an exhibition-type game, like – send your all-stars down there for like a pond hockey type uh, scrimmage or exhibition. Let's just have some fun with it. But I think uh, down there would be a phenomenal as well. Professional ice hockey players die after outdoor game in Antarctica. Colon. What was the NHL thinking? Yes. After, after Connor McDavid falls down an ice chasm, um, yeah, then we'd probably be asking some questions. But, again, the logistics on that would be near impossible. But, I mean, a home-and-home home with two cold-weather cities in, like, Hawaii. That would be would really be, fun. Would be great. Do that in the middle of, like, February when um, people are looking to get out of those places. Uh, yeah, just do – I think that would be uh, amazing. Um, all right, next question, number 10 from Brian – or number 11. Sorry, this is the last question of the week, actually. And uh, Snail – uh, this is going to you and Brian. It's not really a question. It's more of uh, him saying he's back this week, which we obviously know. Uh, he said, thanks for the love, uh, Brian. We couldn't do this without you. And that's literal, not even being uh, metaphorical at all. Uh, also, please let Garrett out of the basement from time to time. 
uh, even inmates get yard time. Yeah, we let him back out for this one. It's been a while. I forgot what he looked like. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's probably going back in said basement or his uh, with the chest we keep him in. <laughs> um, but no, it's great to have Brian back. Uh, I it, I wanted I I want to know where he was at, but that might be getting a little too personal with him. He might have some private thing. That's but he, we see him every week. It's like. Dude, you know where he went. You? I know where he went. I don't really know where he went. I'm going to say he went to like a... a, a Switzerland? A, no, not Switzerland. He went to like a mailman conference somewhere. Probably. <laughs> like the, the global mailman. It's a yearly global mailman conference. And, you know, every mailman, postal worker for uh, the Postal Service, UPS, and FedEx, they all have to get together. And uh, over the weekend, they compete in like Olympic-style games. And the winner... I don't know what the winner gets. We'll have to ask Brian. No, it's uh, a combine. It's like a it's oh, like a combine. combine. They have yeah. to like do like steps and stuff, and they have to deliver mail. They have to run like a city block and deliver as much mail in a certain time. He's just he's gearing up for the the mailman Olympics. The mailman um, combine, where you know yeah. he might have a chance to get you know Dra- other might cities might be looking for a mailman yeah. like him that covers more square blocks yeah. and they got more hills than maybe their mail you know you never know who's on he the might, yeah block. he might be um yeah getting ready for the mailman uh draft um, yeah, the- free agency or whatever he might be uh you never know when like maybe lawrenceville's looking for uh, a new mailman as opposed to wherever uh brian's at maybe maybe down in charleroi they're looking for uh a new mailman and brian will be knocking on garrett's door oh could you imagine um, that would be wild yeah that'd be awesome uh, to watch just dudes in their blue pants they're like little 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 blue john they actually like because like i mean their mottos like rain snow sleet or hell like they actually have different stations where they're just like pelting them with like yes. rain and they have a big snow machine they're just throwing ice cubes <laughs> at them they're throwing ice cubes at them to simulate hail like they just have them coming out of like a big turbine like a frozen just, hill, they're like, you have eight packages to deliver up. This one hill. is just a big building full with sand and heat lamps to simulate like delivering in Death Valley. Oh my like, god! Yeah, they're just he's a, he was at Mailman Combine preparing for uh, the Mailman Draft. It's like um, Navy SEAL training, but it's for the USPS uh, on foot carriers. Yes, That's, and you know what? That's more important. The 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 making sure our mail people are properly trained and. It's it's I would say it's more important than becoming a Navy SEAL. Yep. Yeah, just getting yeah, I need my packages. Damn it. Yeah, bro. And it's a day late. Exactly. So <laughs> now we ship all our hate to the mail. Snap people. snap, Brian. Yeah, it's exactly. Time. So Garrett, all jokes aside, you've been MIA for a while. You've just been working, right? Your work schedule sucks now. Oh, that's it's awful. And it's not gonna get any better. Uh, I'm working Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the day after Christmas, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And there might be other days sprinkled in there. Those are just the holidays that I know I have to work. So I was working Thanksgiving, uh, Black Friday, then this past Saturday and Sunday. Um, I work tomorrow that we record this on Monday. I work Tuesday. Uh, I'm off Wednesday, Thursday, and then I work Friday, Saturday, Sunday again. So uh, I I should, yeah, we record our part two mailbag. I, I will be here for part two of the mailbag this week. Uh, that that I will be back for that. In terms of game recaps, uh, don't quote me on any game recaps because odds are I might be sleeping. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't think we've had you for a game recap yet this year. I think I was on one. I think I remember, I think I might have been on one or maybe two. But I know the game recaps, that's sort of become your guys' thing. And, you know, between my schedule, my work schedule, my sleep schedule, odds are I'm almost never available for anything like after 930. But we will leave it at that. And we will leave it until later in the week when we come back for part two of the Skating Penguin Network mailbag for Snail, for Robbie Noggle. I have been Garrett Bahana. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the mailbag. And we will talk to all of you again very soon.